Frank Jr. is still with us, people, but we're going to need a new banner. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Tuesday, the 26th of January. Only Jose Mourinho's bloody birthday. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Luke Moore. So what did you get him for his birthday then, Andy? <laughs> that would be telling. What do you buy the man who's got what did you buy the man who's got everything, eh? <laughs> A sense of joy, perhaps. <laughs> well, I think you can certainly deliver on that, Andy Brassel, from your joyful little tones. Yeah, I think this so. Morning. It's been lovely to lovely to hear that. For those listening, we've had to in pre-production move Andy to second name rather than third <laughs> to try and get some kind of injection of enthusiasm in him saying his own name. It's like he's had his name for so long that he's bored of it now and he can't ah. deliver it with any gusto. Or is that unfair, Brass? I'd written in the running order where it says, I'm Kate Mason, I'm Luke Moore. I'd written, you already know. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Yeah. Not Did you think it was enthusiastic enough, people? Write in and tell us. Show at footballramble.com. <laughs> Don't write in and tell us. <laughs> Do write in and tell us. Tell him he needs to be more fun. That's what he needs to hear. Uh, speaking of which, people, no more fun at Stamford Bridge ever again. Lamps is gone from Chelsea. He got a proper send-off this time, though, although supposedly didn't get to say any any goodbyes to any of the players. Even Roman Abramovich said nice things, or would we? Well, new, neutral nice things, we might say. <laughs> he says uh, this was a very difficult decision for the club because I have an excellent personal relationship. I have the most, the utmost respect for him. He is a man of great integrity and has the highest of work ethics. Yeah. Luke. That yeah, seems I, like I, a good thing, but, but is that damning with fake praise? Is that like a sort of A for effort and a fall for attainment, would you would Yeah, you say? I think we could probably read a bit too much into these things. And I do think that Frank's <laughs> career has been typified by an amazing work ethic, and that's absolutely something to be applauded. I mean, you said that he didn't have a chance to say goodbye to the players. I mean, according to some of the reporting, he, he said goodbye to the players over a week ago. So um, after the Leicester game, apparently, he was going around the dressing room shaking hands, saying thanks for all your help. Not, it's, not, it's not reported about whether he was being sarcastic or not, but apparently he did it. Um, but the yeah, look, look I, think, I think it's one of those difficult situations. I know that um, it's not a great position to be in as a broadcaster when you can see things both ways. It's, it's, it's much better for the listener if you've got a big opinion <laughs> on it and you, and, and you fully believe in it. But I think... What it comes down to with, with Lampard is is whether you believe that he had the ability to improve, to guide them through like a rocky patch. And based on a lot of the pretty, you know, I would say pretty good reporting that's been done about this, it, it seems like the hierarchy at Chelsea felt like the writing was on the wall for him and he didn't have what it took to take him through. Now, it's been, there's also been some quite um, cynical reporting as well, suggesting that he was the right man for the right moment like 18 months ago and he was only ever mm. going to be a short-term thing and he guided them through something they needed to be guided through. Um, but I, I do think it's probably worth being a bit balanced about this and saying that, you know, fourth position last season, a competitive league, bringing a lot of young players through, got to a cup final. OK, they were schooled by the eventual winners of the Champions League, but that's probably to be expected. No one, you know, no right-minded person thought they would get through against Bayern Munich and they were... They were humbled, but Bayern Munich, to say the least, were a good team. Um, so the, the, the big the big kind of schism comes when they decide to shell out a huge amount of money for a lot of players, and then the expectation changes, right? It's a game changer. Exactly. You spend, you spend 200 million quid, 
And all of a sudden, it now looks like in retrospect that he was just a caretaker for when they wanted to bring a big name manager in when someone one became available. So, look, I'll hand over to Brassley, who knows loads more about this kind of stuff than me. But what I would say is, I think you've seen by Chelsea fans' reactions that he's going to remain a popular figure at the club. I think he gets a lot of stick, particularly on social media, for saying that he once voted for the Conservative Party. Uh, and that's that's an aspect of it. Um, ultimately, I wish him well. Um, and the fact that Roman was quoted in the statement... Um, it speaks for itself, big right? News. I think that's, un- big that's news. unprecedented. I think so. I mean, it's yeah, unprecedented. Fair yeah. enough. Um, but he 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 did. Uh, I thought at times a good job. He brought some young players through. He was probably out of his depth when it comes to a lot of the players he's now managing. And he didn't show that he could adapt and change and improve. And Chelsea are always going to be Chelsea, right? Yeah, and I think you have to say as well. He saw Chelsea through the post Ed and Hazard period, which like could have been really depressing in in one sense he kind of got um a bit of a lucky break at the beginning a in getting the job in the first place because i know a lot of people who watched derby or some people who watched derby who um were not particularly convinced by him in the first place you know there's no way he's getting the job without his name in in, in the first place but i think the other thing that really worked for him was the transfer ban because it engendered such a sense of understanding and goodwill which you'd never normally get at Chelsea. So why we while we give him credit for blooding some of those young players through getting them through a, a post Azar depression, he didn't really have any option, and he had more goodwill than anyone else in the same position would have done. So I think that was an enormous help to him. But I think you're right, Luke, and not just the emphasis changed, the whole job changed really between season one and season two. Actually, even a little bit before that, because you know Chelsea were getting plaudits its left, right and centre in the first half of his debut season. And then there's a little wobble halfway through when you get to the January transfer window and it turns out actually they can buy players and that becomes an option. And that sort of muddies the waters. I think not least for Lampard himself, working out what is actually needed from him, what the expectations are, how he's expected to build the team. Whereas it, it turns from development project to actually, we would like to win some stuff. Now, Absolutely. one half of, of you having those high-quality individuals, and we've seen it in the Champions League with Chelsea this season, games in which they've not played amazingly, and I'm thinking particularly of um, the one away at Krasnodar, but they've got the players to sort of fold the game late on when the other team's tired and just mop it up and I actually said after watching a couple of Champions League group games that I thought they had a decent decent shot at the Champions League if they could defend well because if they could defend well playing well is not really a requirement because they've got the players to without necessarily them being a coherent team to um, to, to finish a game and I think those players will get better and better but I think this is what it's all about it's about it's a bit of a panic about not just what's happening in terms of league position, but in the depreciation or the quick depreciation of some pretty expensive assets. 18 months then, 226 million spent in the summer, ninth place yeah. in the table, Frank Lampard. Okay, they are just five points behind Liverpool. Let's let's be reasonable about this. But it sounds like you're making the argument you've been better off not signing any players at all, Andy, except... Well, I guess except Edward Edward Mendy, he definitely he definitely needed him. Sorry, Carl, just to come in on that and just say, say if you can't if you can't sign players right, and you're in this transfer ban, and you're an inexperienced manager, have you just fallen off your chair? By the way, 
Um, With excitement, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> the about what Andy's going to say next. Can you get me out Actually, the way? Luke, um, it was the coaster coming down off my glass of water. So, yeah, happen. my mum will well, be, be pleased to hear that. My coaster is in that. place. Um, what, what I was going to say was, if you're an inexperienced manager, like, like, like Frank was, relatively speaking, it's a blessing and a curse. And we can see this. You said exactly inexperienced there, didn't you? Yes. Inexperienced. Inexperienced, and, yeah. And, and, and we can see this in perfect microcosm. So, he, it's it's a, it's a blessing because when they've got a transfer ban, he's got the room to manoeuvre. People make excuses for him. They say, okay, mm. he knows the club inside out because of his history here. He's young. He can probably relate to a lot of these players. And he gets the room to manoeuvre. The game changes, as Andy, as Andy and I have both said. And then what happens? Well, what happens when he goes through a difficult run is they don't stick with him. Now, of course, you can make the argument that Chelsea were always going to make a change anyway because, again, according to the reporting, the hierarchy weren't happy with him, whatever, right? There's lots of reasons for that we don't need to go into here. But the way the, in the inexperience becomes a curse is because now, as soon as he goes through a rocky patch, he's off. Even experienced managers have to have time to find their feet, right? I mean, Jurgen mm -hmm. Klopp's a good example. Comes in in October of 2015, can only steer Liverpool to eighth. His second season, they're fourth. They don't go above, I think, third in the league in the second half of the season and Leicester win it. But he's given the time because people say, well, look what he's done in the past. Lampard doesn't get that, right? Exactly. And that's exactly the point, isn't it? There's no, this is the difficulty of taking the job. You know, I, 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 People, a lot of people showing a lot of sympathy and obviously a lot of people who've played with Frank Lampard and all this sort of stuff. But the fact is, you know, he got the dream job. He got 18 months at it. And frankly, does it look as though, frankly, does it look as though he was ever really set up to... Was he ever going to be in a position to succeed at this stage in his career? And to your point about him having sympathy and people, for, you know, forgiving him for the for the period of time he spent with the transfer ban. When let's not forget they finished fourth, which is a bloody impressive shout based on what he had to contend with. You know, he was always going to get quite a comfortable ride from people communicating about what he was up to. Don't you think? Because of because of his history as a player. I mean, perhaps also. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is perhaps even a better example because there's a lot of parallels there and he went through a rocky patch and they stuck with mm. him. It's a different situation. There's a lot more cynical minds than me are talking about why that was the case. And you could say the same for Arteta, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It's just a question of the club's outlook. But I think it's... If, if we're kind to Chelsea here for a second, then, you know, maybe that's not what we want to do. But Get if, we're kind, if we're kind to Chelsea here for a second, look, I like to flip the script, okay? And that's what I'm doing at the moment. If, if we're kind to Chelsea here, as no one ever is, I think if you want to believe, as Kate was saying before, or Kate was touching on before, if you want to believe that Lampard's got the ability to turn it round, you need to know what sort of coach is he. The fact is, we don't know. We've got no real evidence to know that the kind of coach he is. And I think it's remarkable. He's done quite well out of it, actually, because as soon as he's out the door, and he's barely even out the door at Stamford Bridge, people are saying, oh, well, next Newcastle United, boss. Why? <laughs> listen, he's done, listen, he's not been great, but he's done nothing to deserve that. Absolutely nothing to deserve that. Let's be fair. I mean, listen, he may well have the legacy, as someone brilliantly said when um, Sky Sports had those graphics where they turned around and all these um, blue ribbons came out. He may well have the legacy, Frank, of being the Tory Night King. But there's no reason he needs to go north of the wall and head up, back up to Newcastle United and do something there. That, I mean, listen, Frank, if you're listening, which you are almost certainly not because we're friends with Liam from The Athletic, um, you you should not go to Newcastle. Don't be tempted. Do oh, not come on, be it's a dream team. That. Mike Ashley has just always needed someone to bring the best out of him. And I believe Frank is that man. <laughs>
what do we think happens to incredible. the In Frank We Trust Then Now Forever banner that was unveiled on Sunday? Sort of shades of the yeah. chosen one at Old Trafford. It's a low percentage move by that banner maker there. They must have known there was a chance it wouldn't have lasted very long. You know, I mean, it's like a sandcastle with the tides coming in. Exactly. That That is the thing. When you've got to fill stands with whole banners the beauty oh, yeah. is they, they they can change on a regular basis i mean you, you look at marseille for example you go back a couple of months and they had this big banner after they won um against uh, psg which said um uh yeah it's marseille baby <laughs> and now they've changed it to you are a disgrace they have literally changed it to you are a disgrace <laughs> to the players there's no middle ground there's absolutely no well i'd love to know was there a transition where they went this is perfectly satisfactory. Is that ever a point? <laughs> yeah, no one's ever banner, made a banner those, that says that. <laughs> those That's banners sell well in Marseille. <laughs> well, listen, one thing that Kate, one thing that is haunting um, Frank now is, is something that's doing the rounds online. It's yeah. a quote from Frank in 2014 when he gave an interview uh, to the Sun saying, AVB had played his cards and it hadn't worked. I don't know if he was too young or whether it had come too early for him. Yeah, Life comes at you fast, Frank. Oh, bless him. AVB though he's 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 done all right in the end after his sabbatical. We to love AVB, cars. don't we, Andy? <laughs> Are we saying don't that we? at some point in the future, Frank Lampard will be threatening journalists in parking lots or, outside football grounds, or, or driving really to Dakar in a rally car? <laughs> I can't see him doing that. I think that's not. I think <laughs> no. that's a bit too. Uh, you have to be a bit more sort of ready to get your hands dirty, um, yeah. don't you, if you're doing that sort of thing. I feel yeah, like, I and not like showering for several days. I don't see that as a Lance move. <laughs> you get a whimsical there. <laughs> <laughs> we all like to think of AVB not having showered for a few days. That sounds great to me. <laughs> bit of stubble, bit of stubble. Great guy. Speaks about 14 languages. Love him. I always, I always have to mention the idea that there was, a, there was a top journalist on Fleet Street who used to have it out massively in for AVB because he was basically a more urbane, better-looking version of himself. <laughs> that, that, to me, I'll never forget that. <laughs> Lots of rumours and, and, and such like kicking about, about the, uh, the toxic environment that had been developing at Stamford Bridge in recent days and weeks. Because I just say, one of the best what? things to come out of that, and I'm very enthusiastic <laughs> about this, is that players, apparently players including Kepper, felt that he didn't provide enough clear tactical instruction. I've got a tactical instruction for you, Kepa. Save the fucking ball, right? We'll start off with you catching the fucking ball and then we'll talk about tactics after that. How about that? Kepa! Incredible thing. Incredible thing to read. The tactic is to, if you're subbed off, you need to leave the fucking field, Kepa. Yeah, exactly. It's not that complicated. Yeah. Right. I've got some tactics for you. I do, I do air quotes as well. Here's some tactics for you, Kepa. Do as you fucking told you, little prick. That's what I'd be saying. <laughs> So we know how Luke would clear up the toxic environment at Stamford Bridge. But Andy, would we say that Thomas Tuchel is the perfect man to resolve a toxic environment? Well, if you want love and harmony, he's your guy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think in the short term... A fucking coaster again. <laughs> <laughs> you of all people, Mason. Kath Kidston, Kate Mason. You of all people. Fantastic coaster discipline. You see, that's exactly what Tuchel's going to be saying in his introductory meeting in the canteen. Who's <laughs> knocked over the coaster? Right, you're on the transfer list. Yeah. You, Kitty, you, Kepper. Now you can't even hold a co coaster. As long as it's not Antonio Rudiger knocking the coaster off. Because no. you can't get rid of him, can you? No, but it doesn't I, seem I, like it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting because um, clearly he's had difficulties. People say a lot he has difficulties managing up. He has difficulties with his players sometimes as well. I don't think he chooses his words that carefully. Um, but at the beginning, it's all sweetness and light because I think the players are energized to work with someone with so many ideas. Um, I think if you're comparing his tactical chops to Frank Lampard, there really is no comparison. Um, Tuchel's a, a great football mind. Um, he's, he's got loads of um, ideas, ways of looking at the game that will energize the players. And I think that's what they need at the moment. And frankly, they need to protect the investment that they've made, not so much on Timo Werner, because I think he's continued to play okay, even when he hasn't been scoring goals and they'll come. But Kai Havertz, really. And I don't think it's even about the language. I think it's about an understanding of the sort of player that Havertz is. And the fact that you go and spend that sort of money on a player and then don't work out how you're going to put him in the team and what spot he's going to play, how the team are going to play around him, to me, seems a little bit crackers. And Mm. obviously, he's had difficulties with uh, contracting COVID and um, with with a a few little injuries and stuff like that. They need to have a plan for him if they're going to get the most out of him. And if Lampard didn't have a plan for Havertz, I, I think, to be honest, in the modern context and with the amount of money that's been spent on transfer fee, signing on fee, wages, etc., I think that's reason enough to sack him if, if you're living in the real world. Um, with Tuchel, I mean, if you look at the start of all his spells or, or um, more his spells in charge of big clubs, in, in charge of Dortmund and, and PSG, it's all sweetness and light at the beginning. And if you look at uh, the, the way he related to Neymar, for example he can be really good with stars. And, you know, people were looking at him, his relationship with Neymar compared to Unai Emery, who wasn't able to relate to big stars and go, oh, look, he's giving Neymar a cuddle. And Neymar's not even rolling out a lawsuit against him because of that. Oh, they get on great. Or diving for a penalty. Exactly. Look at them. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, people in Germany at the time are going, is this the same guy? Is this the same guy who falls out with yeah. absolutely everyone, who who drew, drove Sven Mislintat out of, out of Borussia Dortmund? But the fact is, I don't think there is any necessity, particularly when it's Chelsea, to have to look at the long term. I mean, if you're getting one and a half, two good years out of Thomas Tuchel, that is what he's there for. You're not appointing him to be a great manager and to get on famously with everyone for the next three, four, five years, are you? No, exactly. That's it. I think the, um, I think yeah, you, d- you don't even really need to take anyone's word for that. You can just look at the facts. I mean, who's the longest serving manager that Chelsea have had since we can remember? I mean, it's, it's hardly anyone. I mean, it's it doesn't even really bear listing. You look at Mourinho the first time. Other than that, I mean, it's pretty slim pickings. And, and one one thing I would I would add to that though is a lot's been made of the fact that Tuchel's a German speaker and and all the rest of it, and that's what they want for the reasons that Andy have suggested. It's probably worth pointing out that unless I'm very much mistaken, which won't be the first time, he's also worked pretty closely with Thiago Silva and Christian Pulisic, right? And so yeah. it, yeah. it kind of as near as you get to a Venn diagram of a man, diagram of a manager, i.e., that he 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 doesn't. Chelsea don't need someone to stick around long because that's just not their model. He's worked with a lot of the players. He's managed at a much more senior level or a much more advanced level than their previous coach. It kind of makes... And he's available, um, COVID test dependent. Uh, it, it kind of makes perfect sense, right? COVID test dependent? What Do you have information that we don't, Luke? What is this? No, I don't. But I think it, I'm led to believe he has to have test negative before yeah. he can fly to the UK. I thought that course, as, yeah. at time of recording. At time of recording. 
Yeah, he's not. Well, as far as we know, he's not uh, in the country. Sorry, Andy, you were going to say something. I cut you off. No, I was going to say, if it's about German speakers, I mean, surely Felix Magatsu, man. I mean, he's someone who, <laughs> who, who knows that. West London. And personally, if, if, I'm a, <laughs> if I'm a fan of a team, I want the next coach not just to be someone who's going to improve the team. I want him to be someone who's going to punish the players for how shit they've been so far this season. <laughs> so if, if, if you've got Felix Magat, got them doing doggies up the upper tier of the West Stand, which is much steeper than you think at Stamford Bridge. I remember working at the TV gantry at the back and I, I love to like jauntily like run up the stairs when I'm coming into like yeah. a work setting. And A, it's longer than you think and B, it's steeper than you think. And I remember like getting to the top third of that and thinking, yeah, possibly. (laughs) I I remember getting to the top third of that and thinking, bloody hell, this is quite steep, actually. So Magat could have had super fun with that. I love the idea of Brassel skipping up the stairs to work and then arriving. I'm Andy Brassel. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens on this show. (laughs) (laughs) He's exhausted himself. (laughs) Last time I was at um, last time I was at Stamford Bridge. No word of a lie. I I was coming from Hammersmith, so also in West London. I was on a Boris bike, right? Whatever whatever you call them, the Santander bikes. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, I I rode up to Stamford Bridge and went to dock the the. the bike and i saw someone jump off the back of a of a motorbike in quite a jaunty fashion and oh, yes. whip a whip a um a helmet off like it was a you know like a shampoo advert or something and it was bloody graham Lasso. wow Ooh. he'd got a motorbike to stanford bridge hey eh? it wasn't one of those motorbike taxis was it yeah. he was he was he was oh okay he wasn't driving yeah. it no do you that drive a motorbike no you ride it <laughs> yeah he was riding pillion passenger kate if we're going to be technical about it Got it, my bad. I thought it was cooler if he just rocked up in a motorbike. So yeah, currently awaiting that negative test in Germany, uh, Thomas Tuchel, this is, to fly over potentially in time for tomorrow's game against Wolves. I feel as though you still have to quarantine, but anyway. uh, Yes, that's the next game for Chelsea and Tuchel due to be appointed today. Elsewhere on the managerial merry-go-round, Big Mick is back in business, guys. He's the new Cardiff City boss just a few weeks after having to leave Cyprus. He must be gutted. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> care what you wish for again, Mick. What are you doing? He doesn't need this. I mean, maybe he does need it. It's like a drug and he wants to be a coach and I understand that. But I mean, he, he, we, we were reporting a few weeks ago, he's having a lovely old time out in Cyprus. It's a great time to be in Cyprus, right? Yeah, you thought so. He's he's done his bit. He's 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 spent a lot of time in the game, and just just take it easy. I'm not that I've got anything particularly against Cardiff, you know. No, no but no. You, you you want something a little bit more exotic. I mean, personally, I, they're doing I, great though, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. I I think the move is if we're looking continental after he's been to Cyprus. Why doesn't he succeed George Jesus at Benfica? Because I do think that Mick McCarthy does look quite like the mascot anyway. How disappointing! Let's just let's just do a little thought exercise here, right? Bear in mind this is this is a this is a club that are probably still yet to heal their savage wounds from the Graham Souness era. How 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 disappointed would you be if you're about to unveil a new manager and you're a Benfica fan and it's Mick McCarthy? I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't even know who he was. I think that's extremely snobbish of you, Luke. Well, it probably is, probably is. But can I also just say that um, Neil, for, for no reason at all. Neil Warnock was asked about this. Did you see this? <laughs> Look, there's absolutely no reason for it, other than the fact that he managed Cardiff ages ago. And he said, uh, 
mix a big mate of mine and they'll enjoy it. It's not the point, Neil. The first thing you can say is that imply that he should have the job because he's friends with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, in, elsewhere in not nepotism news, uh, Phil Neville, Beckham has stressed that he chose his former Manchester United and England teammate Phil Neville for his work ethic when hiring him to manage his MLS side into Miami. But as we've heard earlier in the show, work ethic, it's not necessarily enough, is it, in the longer no. term? It's the minimum Frank. we expect at the very top level, Kate. And you at do the well very to top that. level. <laughs> <laughs> I've really got no come back to that. Yes, I fully, I fully agree. Imagine what it's like interviewing Phil Neville for a job. Like, sorry, can you can you speak up a bit, please, Phil? Well, I think I'd be really good. I think I could probably do a really good job here. Phil, I can't hear anything you're saying. Can you, can you please speak up? You're in Miami. It's fucking it's chaos here. Fizzer himself has said, for 90%, speaking of Beckham, for 90% of my life, we've had a relationship for 90% of my life where we've been very professional. I'm not sure how he's organising the percentages of his life. <laughs> for 90%. Someone worked, out, someone worked out of that, if you do it, take it laterally, that is ever since he was four years old, he's been constantly professional. So they were just friendly until he was four. And then after that... <laughs> They were yeah. professional. I'd like to well, take this to the next phase. Phil just Fizzer just turns up with a little mini suit on. Four year old with like a suit on. <laughs> well that on that beautiful visual image. Let's get to a break, guys. I've got a little one. Silent. Um, it was just banter. And I said, I know that, Sean. Every time, that's a bit of a head fuck, to be honest. Welcome back to the Football Ramble. It's time to hear what you've been thinking about today. Justina Show and FootballRamble.com Right now, so Yeah, we've had an email from Christopher Morris. Chris Morris, not that one, I presume, uh, although that would be bloody marvellous. Um, and he's sent in quite a touching email, actually. And uh, so it goes a little bit like this. He said, we've had dads doing stupid things at football matches, but what about nans? I sadly said goodbye to my dear old nan on Friday. And during her oh, eulogy, okay. my uncle talked about how much she loved football, particularly in her later years. She moved to Gosport in 1990, and that's where I grew up, guys and quickly became, you guessed it, a passionate Southampton fan. Disappointing. (laughs) Um, I have many fond memories of visits to St Mary's with her, even more disappointing, uh, a few of which have become family folklore and during which she demonstrated some absolutely textbook adorable Nan behaviour. Once, Mm. as we arrived for a match against Chelsea, me and my parents lost sight of my Nan, only to to spot her mistakenly queuing up among the away fans and eventually getting frisked by security, much to her delight. (laughs) But but, but, perhaps my favourite memory of watching a game with her. Uh, We watched a friendly match and the goals went flying in for both sides and she remarked excitedly, Peter Cooper is having a brilliant game, isn't he? Rather than a player, though, Peter Cooper was, of course, the name of a car dealership that sponsored the big screen at the stadium, whose logo <laughs> flashed up every time they showed a replay. I'm really going to miss her. And that's really touching, that email. I, I, I grew up in Gosport. My nan, who's sadly no longer with us, is a massive Portsmouth fan, and we'd always chat football. So uh, that, that got me in the feels. That was, uh, that was a really nice thing to read. So thank you for sending that in, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. And sorry for your 
sorry for your loss, really. She sounds amazing. Mm. Um, I've got one here from Shane Hurley. Ooh, do you reckon he's a relation? Shane Hurley. Some- could to, be. Uh, someone who's been big on Twitter this morning. One of Talk Liz's twin sons, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Talk on yesterday's show about Andy Robertson, Robertson screaming at Mason Greenwood to put him off. Brought back memories of my underage playing days. Underage? It's got a slightly unusual way of describing it, no? Uh, yeah. One of my friends was notorious for singing Christmas carols to the player that marked him, usually leading to that player getting distracted or getting very angry and fouling my friend. <laughs> the most famous example of this was an under-14 cup final where, in the second half, an angry defender shoved my friend to the ground and screamed over to him to shut the fuck up, it's March! <laughs> leading, to a, <laughs> leading to a free kick, a booking and a stern talking to from the referee about the use of foul language we won the game and the only question from us afterwards was which song was it jingle bells obviously yeah that's possibly the most repetitive and annoying of the carols so that kind of makes sense <laughs> I, I love the um i love this particular thread i can remember i played pete donaldson uh of this parish asked me to play for his team uh once probably only <laughs> once and um and in his league they had this team called demon eyes and they were named after the famous um, Tory uh, billboard ad, which had Tony huh. Blair on it with the strip across saying "New, New, New Labour, New Danger," and it had Tony Blair with his demon eyes. <laughs> Quite a famous political ad, and they were, they were basically a Labour cabinet team, and they're in the same division as Pete's team. <laughs> And um, uh. I can remember James Purnell, who I think might be quite hard at the BBC now, so I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I will anyway. <laughs> um, and, and at the time, I think he he might have been some kind of junior minister. And so we all rallied around before the game to decide that we were all going to refer to him constantly throughout the game as Jeremy Hunt, mm. and, and, which I think at the time was his equivalent in the Tories. And he got really fucking pissed off about it. He was not happy about it at all. Um, <laughs> So, so that's what I could particularly remember. <laughs> lovely stuff. Guys, thank you so much for emailing in some lovely emails today. Show at footballramble.com or you can tweet us at footballramble. But make the effort. Write us a bloody email. One more thing I just wanted to mention as well, because, we, I mean, it would just be remiss to not mention Big Pav in these times of, of, of grassroots oh, yeah. football. Um, Pav would basically, as soon as any opposition, because Pav was a goalkeeper, before, as soon as of any course. member of the opposition, if the opposition um, team got into the, came into the penalty area for a corner or something, Pav would basically turn into like a bald football version of Gordon Ramsay and just <laughs> swearingly insult any opposition player that came within like three yards of him. Like seriously, at one point there was a forward coming up for a corner and got quite close to Big Pav. And I remember Big Pav looking at him in his face and going, fuck me, here he is. Get fucked, mate. Fuck off. <laughs> and the guy, was just, the guy was just standing there doing what he should be doing. So... It happens a lot of grassroots football, I would say. We don't know that he wasn't singing Jingle Bells, though, I guess, this forward. I think if you uh... thought of that, he would have definitely done it. (laughs) I wonder what Big Pav would make of Gareth Ainsworth, by the way. Um, Because let's get into a bit of Spurs getting to the fifth round of the FA Cup chat, if that's all right with the two of you guys. Uh, Wickham won, Tottenham four in the end it was. Spurs didn't go ahead until the 86th minute, but then they rattled them in somewhat somewhat like Man City's 3-1 win against Cheltenham, I guess, all three City goals after the 80th minute. Wickham opened the scoring through that lovely Fred Onyadimma 
opener and then there was a Gaza Bale clip from very close range of a beauteous cross from Lucas Moura to take it to 1-1 and then uh, the rest is history. We're going to need to last over Tangi and Dombele's goals at some point. Luke, but what did you make of this one? Um, I enjoyed the game. Uh, I thought that, um, yeah, I, I thought Ndombele was fantastic uh, when he came on. He is a fantastic player. Generally, he's great to watch. Uh, it's so so um, good to have him featuring regularly he seems to have got over that little hump that he had with with Mourinho and that's that's a good thing um Bale again to me flattered to deceive don't think he's been that good I think it's probably gone a little bit under the radar how poor he's been but maybe I'm just not reading the right I'm not reading maybe I'm not reading the right media yeah no I don't know I don't think it has at all unless yeah. it had three I don't like to use this phrase because it's ludicrous but they were guilt-edged weren't they those chances in the first Half. Yeah. He missed some absolute sitters. Okay, look, let's just set on the fact that, that he's not been that good. Um, and I'm just going <laughs> to very, very briefly say that um, I really like Wickham. I've been to see him a few times at Adams Park. Uh, they're, they're a pretty interesting club, in my opinion. I think Gareth Ainsworth's done an amazing job, obviously. We shouldn't forget that these guys are traditionally, up until you know, relatively recently, a non-league club. And the fact that they're in the Championship, albeit bottom of the Championship, in the Championship, is incredible. And he's done an amazing, amazing job on little budget, little resources, uh, and it's it's great to it's great to see. I'm partly saying that because I know that Andy's got some pretty fiercely held opinions on the team, so I'll just, <laughs> I'll just hand over to him. Why do you hate no, Wickham, Andy? I I don't hate Wickham. What I thought though was um, particularly interesting, given that it was a tie between a Championship team and a Premier League team. They got quite a strong level of lower league patronising, I felt, yeah. in all the TV and yeah. radio coverage. It wasn't Dion Dublin levels, but it was up there. It was oh. that feeling. It, it, it just all fed into that feeling that, as you say, Luke, they're kind of on loan to the, the championship. And for what it's worth, they're generally quite hated by other fans of League One clubs when they've been in League One for the past several years because and I love Gareth Ainsworth I think he's absolutely great and he's done an incredible job there but they are kind of known for their diving faking cheating time wasting all that sort of stuff so it was quite interesting having perceived that's not the stuff I like though that's the thing they never got the chance to express it against Spurs which is the tragedy (laughs) really yeah Kate can I also just say did you guys pick up on how obsessed the commentator was with the name Rocky Allsop he just kept saying it no really I didn't pick up on that at all Wickham's keeper's called Ryan Allsop and his nickname is Rocky yeah and yeah. um, I think it was Ian Dark, who's a, you know, he's a good, yeah. a good Pompey lad, so I shouldn't cane him too much. Um, he kept saying Rocky Allsop like it was the funniest thing in the world, like a guy had a nickname that was Rocky. I mean, it, it just it started to grate on me after about 15 minutes. Why is he called Rocky? Do we know? Andy? I have absolutely no, no idea. But, <laughs> but if, if, if we could take this back to, to Gareth Bale briefly. Um, <laughs> Gareth Bale? All right. I thought we were yeah. on Ainsworth. Yeah, we, 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 we'll, we'll come back to Ainsworth, I'm sure. But I think the, the Bale thing is, is interesting because like Luke's perception of how he played and other people's perception of how he played are, are very different. And what I think is so interesting about that... I, I, it's a very polite way of saying that I was wrong. <laughs> well, no, no I, I actually agree with you. I thought he looked... No, I didn't he think looked... he played badly. Sorry, is that what you're saying? I didn't think he played badly. Well, In the first I think half, he... he just had three massive chances that he just put into the side netting and and you can't be doing that i thought he was poor i thought he looked uninterested and poor oh i yeah, see I, okay i thought he looked i thought he looked super rusty as, as as well and i think there's a difference between 
like what is actually happening and what some people are seeing because people are so desperate for him to be good again. I mean, I'm desperate for him to be good again. But the reality is this is the sort of game he should have been playing probably September, October, and mm. he's just not got those minutes yet. And I, I think it's, it's it was always going to be so difficult for him coming back because what he needed to get himself in the spot and even, even up to what, 80% of what he can produce, whether he can produce that anymore, I, I, I don't know, and none of us really know. But what he always needed is a run of games and a run of games that he wasn't yeah. going to get. And that kind of told us, and I think this game kind of told us, why is probably not going to work out for for Bale at Tottenham this time? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it's sad for I was you know no one was more excited than me about him coming back to Tottenham. But you could really see why he's not been trusted. Those you know, if, if yeah. it had been the case that those chances needed to be put away, then you can't be starting someone who is just going to not do his job no. effectively. He's making making the runs, but he's not able to finish. No, I th- I, th- I think. Also, it, it does kind of sp- it does kind of spawn a, a slightly new debate around Gareth Bale, which is that you know how much you attribute this to him, or how much you attribute it to the fact mm. that his body can't sustain it anymore and he can't stay fit, or he isn't able, as Andy's alluded to there, to to, to acquit himself at, at the top level. Now, if that's the, I mean, if if it's if it's the former that he's not that bothered, which has been, I mean, I don't know, but that has been talked about. I mean, I don't know if there's any, any veracity to that, but that has been mentioned. Then, I mean, I'm not surprised he couldn't get in the Real Madrid team. I'm not surprised at that because I think I think you, you need to you need to show a good amount of application. And, and you could actually even compare that to how Chelsea played in the Cup um, the other day. They got through the game um, and they won it you know, fairly handily in the end. But some of the application for some of the players, I thought was really, really poor in parts. And I think Gareth Bale's been the same. So it's, it, it bears... It bears comment because he's out of contract in the summer where's he going to go do, do you realistically think for the wages that they they have to pay that that spurs are going to take take that long term and do you think real madrid are going to they're not real madrid aren't going to redo it are they they've already said they're not so. he's not out of contract is he he's got a year left at real madrid so yeah what is he... i thought he was out of contract in june this year no 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 so uh, he's, he's going back spurs to real madrid only lost yeah as stands so i think that's what Mourinho has, has said in a not especially subtle way recently you know if you want to go back to real madrid and, and don't play you know you're going the right way about it i mean i'm not convinced how much of this is is, is really in bale's control I, I think until he gets somewhere where he can play all the time he, he can't really prove his worth I, I don't think you can expect him to come in for a game like that and, and and just dazzle. I think he did probably about as well as he could have done in the in the circumstances. Whether that's good enough to be in the Tottenham first 11 is is a totally different discussion. I, I don't think he is at the moment. But I think it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because where Tottenham are, they've got I, I think they've, they've tried to make the squad a little bit more deep. But if you're not in a position where you feel you can give chances to Bale and Vinicius, who's coming from a totally different angle, but again yeah. is 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 struggling for minutes. How can you prove your worth? It, it it makes it very difficult. So what you're saying, he'd have to play for something like a Championship club in order to get regular minutes? Because that's no. to... <laughs> I can't see that happening. No, no just but, ju- just to just to yeah. a Premier League club who can afford to just have him play ten games to get into his stride. Who can afford to waste that many chances? Jesus, <laughs> there is no such thing, surely, or unless it's one that's got. 
But we're, no we're talking of... about we're talking about him wasting chances in an individual game because he doesn't play all the time. Who's to say yeah. if you give him a run of ten games at three games into that or four games into that, he doesn't hit his straps? The fact is, we'll never know at Tottenham because he's never going to get that run. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And to be fair, Kate, Andy has been saying that for weeks. Getting quite okay. dull. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm only joking. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, look, the point I'm making is obvious. Is it? I don't see what kind of football team can allow someone to come in and just miss chances like that for multiple games. Anyway, I've now repeated myself three or four times. So at risk of getting getting dull, uh, we're going into the fifth round. We, sorry, excuse me. Anyway, Tottenham are going into the fifth round uh, to face Everton. And next in the Premier League on Thursday, it's Liverpool. As for Wickham, they're going back to trying to stay into the in the championship. They're bottom. They've got a trip to Brentford on Saturday. If you can't get enough of Gareth Ainsworth, much like Andy, uh, then you should <laughs> give Ramble Meets a listen this week over on Football Ramble Presents. Don't forget to subscribe there. Gareth joined Mark Pugach and they talked about his love for music, his time, of course, at Wickham and taking the club into the championship for the first time in their history. Okay. A lovely <laughs> Can I just episode. say, Mourinho had his uh, say on this, didn't he? Um, he, he said, he <laughs> Mourinho said about, loves uh, him. What? He said about Ainsworth, it was, it was a brilliant thing. He said, he has this long, rocky star hair. It's amazing. I feel sorry I cannot sing with him because I will destroy his music. <laughs> rocky star? Had he been yeah. listening to the commentator, do you think? He He's getting, yeah. getting confused with Rocky also. It's impossible not to give someone the first name Rocky without them sounding like a porn star. That hadn't occurred to me, but I'm really glad... I'm really glad you brought it up uh, before we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we have a quick check-in on, on Arsenal and Martin Odegaard? It looks as though they've got hold of him until the end of the season. He was looking good at Real Sociedad. Brass, I know you're concerned that everyone's going to be wandering around calling it Sociedad. Uh, but other than that... I'm not concerned. They're definitely going to do that anyway, and it's definitely going <laughs> to be irritating. Yeah. <laughs> Is he about to displace the golden boy, Emile Smith-Rowe, or where's he going to play? Oh, God. Well, Smith-Rowe's still relatively inexperienced, isn't he? Um, I, mm. I don't think uh, you should expect him to play all the time. and I, I don't think there should be an expectation that they can't play together as well. I, I think that's something that's very important. Um, with Udegaard, you've you've got to say that for the first two thirds of last season, up until the pandemic hit, he was, if not the best player in the league, really close. So it is a get for Arsenal in the immediate term. I kind of feel a bit sad that they've been reduced to like taking players on a loan with no option to buy. So they're essentially developing a player for another club. Um, but if he starts to play as well as he can and as as, part as, he, as well as he did in the first two thirds of last season, because he didn't really get going again after the pandemic. And of course he hasn't got really a chance at all at Real Madrid since he's been back there. And, you know, it feels to people in Spain as if Zinedine Zidane has massively wasted his time and sort of slowed his development up a little bit. I think if Odegaard plays as well as he did in that first bit of last season, I don't think anyone's really going to care about the long-term implications because he's going to be so good to watch. And what I think is really important while we're talking about pronunciations now they've got rid of Ozil. Of course, he's not an immediate replacement for Ozil, but he is one of those kind of like umlaut o pronunciations at the beginning. So it's not Odegaard, it's Odegaard. Uh, so oh, I goodness. think the, the, the umlauted o at the beginning is very, very important. 
Although it's not an umlaut, it's just the same sound. Udegood. Can I just follow up on that and say that I, I wrapped my hand in on pronouncing names properly on this show in about 2012. <laughs> so I'm hoping that's not aimed at me particularly because I really don't fucking care. Uh, presumably, Luke, you're just going to call him uh, the fish man after he uh, was awarded that giant fish. Oh, for, yeah, that uh, was amazing. Wasn't player it? The man of the match, you've got to give him a big fish. Um, yeah. it, this actually circles us back around to big Mick McCarthy because as we're a fan of saying <laughs> on the show... That, yeah, that, that Mick once, in the first minute of a game he was co-commentating on, told everyone listening that um, he tried to pronounce the left-back's name. He couldn't, so he was just going to call him left-back for the whole game. And then proceeded <laughs> to call him the left-back for the entire game. So, yeah, that's a level we need to aspire to here, I think. I'm not into that, personally, but fair that's cause enough. Because you're, you're, you're quite snooty, that's why. Is that why? I just like to call people by their correct names and I aspire to, you know, meet people with the pronunciation that they that they want to be met with. Aspiration, that's your problem. Can I just say, Mick's linguistic (laughs) skills are underrated, Um, as I may or may not have mentioned on here before. I once I once interviewed him and we we had a we had a lovely chat about Leon because he used to live there because he played for Leon for half a season. I used to live there and uh, he's like, oh, beautiful city, beautiful city. And I, I said, um, so do you, do you speak French here, Mick? And he went, um, Mick, je parle français comme un vache espagnol. That's it. <laughs> That'd be a no then. <laughs> it, was, it was a very well-delivered line. <laughs> yeah. he definitely he definitely trotted that one out before uh, Arsenal travelled to Southampton tonight in the Premier League lots of football on for you later West Brom host Manchester City Pep has called Big Sam a genius ahead of meeting with them and Newcastle are hosting Leeds United Ooh, that one could be tasty potentially Steve Bruce saying he's not going to shy away from a challenge but then ended his most recent press conference early so that he didn't have to speak to the written media. That's a Donald Trump-esque move, that. That's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. I love that. I never shy away from a challenge. Right, see you later. <laughs> uh, before we do go off, uh, just a quick plug for the Patreon. Quick reminder that we've got some brand new bonus content over on the Patreon. Um, it includes uh, Teams of Our Lives, which I'm doing with Spellino, which is really great, actually, because we look at some of uh, the best teams of not just our lifetimes, but other lifetimes as well. So we looked at Saki's Milan in the first one. Uh, we've got some other great ones lined up in the future. Of course, Marcus is pulling hard for uh, Keegan's Newcastle and we wouldn't want to let you down. So we're not going to let you down. That will be there sometime in the future. There was a stream with uh, Marcus, Luke and Vish, which was quite funny, I thought, on Friday night. Very enjoyable. A live stream. It was great fun. Yeah, yeah. And so you can get involved in that. It's always good when the person who is on it tells you that it was funny. So thanks for that, Luke. I feel that was no a really, st- really strong ad. That's all right. I would be honest with our listeners. I would tell them if I thought it was shit. They know that. <laughs> and what better testimonial could there be? So if you want to buy us the equivalent of a pint each month and get a lot more of us in return, just head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to find out more. Do it. We'll love you forever. So in summary... In my honest opinion, the vast majority of the content over on the Patreon is often not shit. So <laughs> go to patreon.com forward slash football ramble and sign up now. Because also, Andy, one thing you should probably mention, there's nothing else to do in the UK at the moment, right? 
No, that's true. You might that's as true. well you might as well just fill your ears with loads of football content. I mean, why not? Fill your ears with football content. That is our message. I hope you've enjoyed filling your ears with this football content this morning. Thanks for joining us. Andy Vassell. Thank you. Say something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that gravitas you, you, again, Brass? You, you never throw to us at the end of a show. <laughs> I'm not I've already got the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Luke Moore. Oh, is it me? Yeah, okay, bye. (laughs) On tomorrow's show, it's Marcus, Vish and Jim. We'll see you then. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.